I think that kids are not the only ones that enjoy this kind of time of the year. I love it myself. Uh, I, um, I was in uh, a restaurant yesterday morning with some of the, my Gideon brothers. We were having breakfast, and one of the uh, one of the brothers was sitting there, and he said, he "said This feels like church." And I looked at him, and I was, what, what do you mean this feels like church? We're just sitting there having breakfast. And he said, I'm hearing worship music. And because they had, they had a, a radio station on in the restaurant, and the radio station was playing Christmas music, but it's worship music. And it's such a great time of the year because you can go into the stores, restaurants, and just various places, and that's what you're hearing. You're hearing all this Christmas music. It's not all worship. You know, there's still Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and things like that. But it's just uh, so neat to be able to, uh, to hear God being glorified in the secular field, you know, with all the separation of church and state that you hear out there, you still hear at least the, the worship music in, in, in there. So it's, th- those things are, are just so neat to uh, experience. When uh, I think of uh, Christmas and God's love and how much God really loved us in sending his son, Jesus, to give up the, the glories that he had in heaven for that period of time and to come down to earth into kind of a restricted body. You know, there's, we're so limited in things that we can do, obviously in comparison to what God can do, you know, while he's in heaven. And just that love that comes out from that. And I, I love the analogy of the glass of water, the water being God's love and how God's, the glass, and that it's full of water, is is not enough to express God's love. God's love is the water just overflowing constantly in there. Today we we have to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about Mary, and that's our topic today. And I thought of that overflowing glass when I thought of Mary. Because that's, that's where she was at when, that, when the angel Gabriel appeared to her. All right, her love was so overflowing that she immediately said yes. She didn't have to think about it. She didn't have to say, nah, go pray about it for a little while and come back and give you an answer. Within it. Nothing like that. She was ready uh, for that because that love of God was overflowing in her life. And I was thinking about that as, you know, we, we want to take things that we see in Mary and try to, we're, we're trying to imitate God, but we're seeing that example in her. And as we're seeing that example in her, that's what we need in our own lives. I know I need it in my life. I need that water to be constantly overflowing. Um, the Paul gave a, a, a kind of an analogy, well, it wasn't really an analogy, but he said that other people would know that we are Christians by the love that we show one another. And, of course, that love has to be constantly uh, overflowing. I also see in Mary joy. And uh, Psalm 1611 says that you will show me the path of, of life in your presence is fullness of joy. And the, the angel Gabriel said specifically to Mary, the Lord is with you. 
And because the Lord's with you, that means that she was full of joy. Okay? Another thing that we need in, in our own lives to have this presence of God constantly in our lives so that that joy will spill out. Nobody's really going to be going to want to become a Christian if they see you and you're you're sober and you're you're sad and all the time and kind of down, depressed or whatever. But if they see joy in your life, that's something. In, even amidst all of the problems and everything that go on uh, in in life, I also see something uh, of expectancy in Mary, and I, I look at. At Titus, we, we are supposed to be looking and expecting the second coming of the Lord. And in Titus, it, it says, uh, this is um, chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be looking for his coming. I think Mary was looking for his coming, too. And it wasn't the second coming. It was the first coming. Because she didn't hesitate. When Gabriel came, she didn't act like she was confused. What are you talking about? I'm pregnant and everything. You know, she, she didn't do any of that. She must have been expecting the coming of the Lord. I think that was the Jewish teaching at that time. And, and she, was, uh, she was ready for that. The last thing I, I see in that is her obedience. Now, can you imagine in your own life when we basically were 15 years old or so and the angel Gabriel coming to, uh, let's say, as a female now, because obviously as men, this just wouldn't have happened, but we could have had a girlfriend or something at that time in the same situation, but coming and saying, rejoice, you're highly favored, you're expecting a baby. You know, and it's like, what? You know, and it's one of those things where it takes your life, basically, and just turns it upside down. Think of Mary and the plans that she probably had. They were, they were planning to get married, and uh, you know, and obviously she's not married yet, and all all of these things. And yet, she didn't have to hesitate at all. She just was obedient to what God wanted. Be it done to me according to Your Word. So as as we talk about uh, Mary this morning, we we want to first, Patty and I want to read. Uh, the uh, from Luke, where it actually talks about the angel Gabriel coming to her, and then we have a special treat for you, right? Huh? We do. <laughs> Forgot to tell you about that. Huh? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start in Luke one and verse twenty-six. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city. Of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month. The sixth month for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So we're going to do a little what if this morning. It's kind of a what if sermon. And we're going to look at some possibilities of how Mary could have answered the angel Gabriel. So the first possibility uh, leads us to the possibility that Mary could have resisted and went her own way. So verse 31 says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. One thing Mary could have done, especially if she was going to follow her flesh rather than the will of God, she could have followed her own direction. Some of her questions could have been, but what about our plans? How does this fit into our traditions and our ways? Shouldn't Joseph be a part of this decision? Verse 29 tells us that she was greatly troubled by the angel's words. What did that troubled really mean? It really referred to the fact that she was puzzled. She was puzzled by what the angel said to her. She was amazed by these words, surprised even by them. Why should this be happening to her, someone of an unknown Um, to the world and yet here was this voice of God in her life she was being told what she was being told and her words in verse 37 are not the language of mistrust it was actually a desire of hers to be instructed further clarity is what she wanted in her heart 
After further insight, her response was to do what? She diligently listened. She hearkened to the word of the Lord. And she entirely submitted to, to him and to his will, his purposes. She wanted her desires to be guided, guided completely by God's word. That's what we see in what God is telling us in this passage here. She showed obedience to his word. There was a simplicity of heart in that where she totally bowed to and submitted to what God was saying to her. I am the Lord's servant, was her response. May it be to me what your word is saying. Do unto me what your word is saying, Lord. She believed and subjected herself to that divine authority. There was a submission a heart laying, being laid down before God in a simplicity of obedience to him. She was open to that and willing to be molded to his purposes like clay, not like granite having to be whacked at, but like clay in his hand being molded to those purposes, being pliable to his hand not to her own will, her thoughts, how she thought things should come about. Psalm 119, 129 through 130 gives us a little bit of insight into what she might have been doing in this. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. She didn't need to have a whole scope of educational and intellectual understanding. It was God's light into her life, her opening herself up to that, that enabled her to be obedient to his word. Instead of going her way, she followed the way of obedience. Blessed is she who has believed that what the word has said to her will be accomplished. Second possibility. She could have reacted with hesitation, doubt, fear, shame, rejection. Again, verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Another of her response could have been that fear, hesitation, doubt, How can you ask this of me, Lord? I'm not married. What will my family and friends think? What's going to happen to me if I bow to this? I'm not the least bit sure of this. What will Joseph do? What will happen if I break the traditions that have been established for so many years, handed down for so long, what will happen to me if I accept this from you? From her response, again in verse 38, we see that it was not fear that was there, but she trusted totally in who God was to her. It was a child's heart looking to a father's heart who cares deeply for his child 
and knows what's best in asking this particular thing of her. In Psalm 118.6, it says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? There were a lot of things that man could have done to Mary, especially in the Jewish tradition and the Jewish law. She faced dire consequences for accepting what he was asking of her. But you see in her response that she really did feel the Lord was on her side. And because the Lord was on her side, she did not have to fear. It wasn't man she had to be afraid of. She trusted in God more than she trusted in man. She took that giant leap of faith, believing that exactly what the angel said, for nothing is impossible for God. Psalm 25, 1 through 3 says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will be put to shame. It takes the faith of a child to really believe that, especially in circumstances like she was facing, knowing full well what could happen to her. But she threw herself upon God totally. She broke herself upon the rock and in doing that, trusted in his goodness and his faithfulness and saw great and mighty things occur. Possibility number three. She could have reacted with pride. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. One of her responses could have very well have been, Oh, how great I am in what God is telling me. She could have said to people after she found out, Everyone, bow your heads. You are in the presence of one who is highly favored. Only the greatest are highly favored by God. Only he equips those who are great amongst him. Okay, and we know that that did not happen. In 1 Peter 5, verses uh, 5 through 7, he, uh, Peter says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So if God resists the proud, he wouldn't have gone to Mary in the first place. So we know that Mary wasn't uh, a proud person. Okay, And uh, it does say, humble yourselves, and then God will exalt you in due time. That's exactly what happened with Mary. Mary humbled herself, and in due time was the time of the birth of Jesus, she was exalted. Now, the essence of humility is uh, that God will get all the credit. God gives us many talents and many abilities, all right? But we're to use them for his glory, and we are to give him the glory when we do use them and not take that glory for ourselves. First uh, Corinthians uh, 1, 26 through 29 uh, addresses this issue. It says, For you see your calling, brethren, 
that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. We don't receive any of the glory. God has to get that glory. Get that glory. And that's why he can pick us. Uh, no matter what, whether we feel that we're despised or weak or whatever the definition is that we give of ourselves, he picks us to do his work, to do his handiwork. And we, we, we have to remember that. First uh, Corinthians 4, 7 also uh, uh, does the same thing. It says, For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? See, anything we have is because we received it from God. Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? See, sometimes we boast as if it's like, you know, we did something. Well, we didn't do anything. God gave us something, and we're just, we're just using it. Okay. Possibility number four. Last one. She could have acted in unbelief. Verses 30 and 31 say, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Hmm. Let's see. I'm not too sure about this. When Moses was asked to lead our people, he ran away for 40 years. I'm still very young. Can you give me a few more years and then come back and I'll give you an answer? (laughs) And we know that did not happen because Mary did act with belief. She said, let it be done to me according to your word. She had faith. She had faith in in God that this was it. You know, it's so easy for us to act with unbelief, to get into habits of unbelief, where we just believe something that isn't really true. You know, something that maybe we hear it out in the world all the time, but God's word doesn't say that. Something like God says, do not fear. And I know in my life, I battle with that sometimes. There, there are times when uh, I'm just not certain of the future, whether it's with myself or my children or my grandchildren or this nation and, and what the things that are going on in, here in, in our country. And, you know, you're just unsure. But God says, do not fear. And we have to fight our flesh all the time with that. All right. But when we have really, really good faith in God, as you could see what Mary, Mary did, that that is a, that's something that can be imitated in uh, Matthew 21, 21 verse, uh, it, it It's a verse that follows his cursing of the fig tree. He's walking with his disciples and he curses the fig tree and the, the, the disciples are coming back from where they were going next day, and the fig tree is dead. You know, and they're saying, my gosh, you know, you cursed it yesterday, and here it is dead. And uh, Jesus said, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, 
you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. See, if we ask God according to his will, we're going to receive it. We have to believe that. Okay, sometimes our unbelief can stop the fact that, you know, our prayer getting answered. So we want to make sure that, remember, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We have to stay in the word of God to keep developing our faith. Okay, faith is a gift. It comes, all right? It's not something that we're just born with or when we give our life to the Lord. Now we're full of faith. We're not. It comes by reading his word. So we do have to stay in his word. All right, we would, oh, you want to say a couple of things yeah. first. Um, so we hope that what God is saying in this today is to help you see that Mary was an ordinary person. She was not one who was esteemed in the world. She came from a remote place, was an unknown person, and was not raised in what was uh, praised and applauded in that time period. She was an ordinary woman, but she knew she had an extraordinary God. That's how God works in our lives. He works with ordinary people who are willing to be willing vessels because she said yes. She became a vessel of God's presence and that's who we are today God wants us to be vessels of his presence people who carry him into the world to bear his light she is not one that we look to to be worshipped she was a woman who was blessed and highly honored of God but not one to be worshipped. She is the one we're to model and allow to be a witness in her life, in our lives of her faith, of her trust, of her obedience, of her willingness to submit, of being humble, and realizing that we have a God that we can submit to And know that great things can occur because of that. We talked a little bit about it previous to this. Sarah spoke of how submitting to him brought something great in her life. It was something simple, yet something great. And that's how God works. He works in us through all kinds of circumstances. And if we keep our eyes on him, as Mary did, she looked to him. She didn't look to the circumstance. She didn't look to the how-tos. She didn't look to the what-ifs. She looked to him. If we learn to keep our eyes on him, it's his will, his purposes, his greatness, his presence, his overflowing That comes from us. The more we allow ourselves to be filled with him, the more that is of him will overflow from us. She shows us that God does not use methodology. He uses individuals. And in that, each one of us has an important place 
in his presence, in his purposes, in his will. And we'd just like to um, put on uh, a uh, CD. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have heard this. Mary, did you know? So hopefully we'll be able to play this now and listen to some of the words of that. Um, I find this very moving and very touching, the words in this. Um, that and, and a reminder that, you know, what, what a great thing God did in an ordinary simple woman's life because she was willing to be an open vessel for him. Mary D. 
Did Mary know the greatness that she was carrying? Do we know that the greatness that we carry? Let us remember that we are, as God tells us, containers of his Holy Spirit, vessels who carry the holy presence of a holy God into a world that needs him desperately. We'd like to end this um, with Mary's song after she had gone to visit uh, Elizabeth. And hopefully we leave you with a sense of awe today, carrying out that presence that is within us and um, and a better understanding of what God did when he came into this world and allowed man to kiss his face. We're going to read it from the New King, King James Version. This is also known as the Magnificat. Anybody wants to join in and reading this with us, is, it's fine. Just to let you know, it's the New King James Version, because if you have a different Bible, it's going to look a little bit different. And, but it's uh, Luke 1, and it starts in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever.